Hey everyone, it's Sunday, March 22nd, and Alex and I are recording episode 15 of the Brosane Detroit Pistons podcast. I'm Carl. And I'm Alex. So, let's see. Last time we talked, we had just traded for Reggie Jackson, and um, since then, things have really gone south. It sort of feels like we had a 10-game losing streak in there. Um, we've really been playing about as bad as we have all season, except for the last two games, the last two or three games, which we can get to. But leading up to that, we really look, you know, no, really no better than we did before we dropped Josh Smith. So it's been almost like we've come full circle in the worst way possible. Yeah, our our season long numbers, you know, the, the averages for the whole season are very similar to what we've been doing recently. You know, in terms of our point differential, about minus four points per hundred possessions. Uh, it's uh, it, it's tough. The, some differences are we we haven't been turning the ball over very much recently. We have our lowest turnover rate of any stretch we've had this season, so that's kind of interesting. Reggie seems to help us take care of the ball, but our free throw rate is the worst of any stretch we've had this season. So somehow we're not getting to the line and. You know, I, I haven't watched as many games recently to know whether, you know, are we just passing the ball around the out, along the outside? Are we just shooting more jumpers or what? But we're not – that seems to suggest we're not attacking the basket. And the last uh, couple things are, you know, we're, we're playing at the same slow pace we did um, during the – that we have during every other part of the season, except for that electric – episode where in between the Josh Smith trade and the Brandon Jennings injury, when we're playing at a very fast pace and kicking everyone's ass, we're, we're, so we're back down to the slower pace. Yeah. And Um, we were also, we were a top 10 three point shooting team during that stretch is also, now we're almost the worst team in the league. We've been, if you've watched any of the games, we've just been ice cold from the behind the arc and it's been painful to watch. Yep. This is our worst stretch of three point shooting. And, Part of that's got to be just luck of the draw. Sometimes you're hot, sometimes you're not. But part of it is what we said right when we got Reggie, which is he is not a particularly great three-point shooter. He shoots above 30%. You know, the bar- He shoots barely above the percentage where you'll allow a player to shoot threes ever. Um, if he shot any worse, we would probably not have him shoot any at all, is, is another way of saying that. Yeah, we um, also, and we also traded Singler, who's a, as a decent three-point shooter, and uh, Jarebko, it was not like he was lighting the world on fire, but he was better than, space floor a little bit. Better than Tayshon. And then, of course, uh, Augustine, even though he's undersized and a liability on defense, he could shoot. He could make open three. So all those things combined, it, it does make some sense. But um, I think that uh, both uh, KCP and especially um, <clears throat> to, I mean, uh, Tolliver hasn't been shooting as well. As, as he's upped his minutes, he seems like he's much more comfortable as a backup, like a kind of come in and kick butt as a backup. And then uh, Jody Meeks, he's been really struggling in the past uh, 15 games or so, uh, despite a couple of recent decent performances. So I don't know if it's just that watching the games, our, our spacing is messed up and we're not getting uh, open threes. And when we do, we're not making them. So it's just sort of a snowball effect. Yeah, it's hard to say what contribution is luck versus not not having the players who are as good at shooting threes versus having our offense just function better to where we're having guys take the shots when they're open. If they're taking contested threes or they're taking, 
you know, pull up threes off the dribble as compared to having it swing around and have you be wide open. That's got to make a big difference in your percentage too. You know, maybe we have a small sample size and, uh, you know, I'm just not really sure what to say about why we've been shooting so badly, but it's got to be some combination of all three of those things. Yeah. I, I haven't watched a ton of, I was, uh, I, I missed some of the 10 game losing streak. I guess I didn't miss a whole lot, but uh, of the couple games I've caught, I actually happened to catch the Grizzlies game, which we won. And also, um, last night when we beat the Bulls, which was a pretty exciting win. Uh, that was kind of like a microcosm of the first quarter. We looked great. The second quarter, we looked so bad. And I'm guessing that was kind of how we've looked in general. Our, it was just that it was almost like when, while we're running, we can play really well. Like if we get on a, a streak of like, uh, getting a defensive stop running, uh, uh Reggie Jackson can push the ball, uh, and, and then kind of create a, create a often a defensive breakdown and, and dish it out or, or give it alley-oop to, to Drummond. But when, when things slow down, our half court offense is starting to look like that first part of the season where you know, we're passing it around each person who that someone will catch the ball and hold it for three seconds before they decide to do with it. Then the next thing. And then, and then we end up having to do something like Tayshaun Prince creates his own shot or something like that. Or, or, or the three point shooter that we get isn't very good, or we fight really hard to get a good long two, uh, you know, by running around a screen. And if we're fighting, if we're working that hard to get a long two, it's not going to look very good for our offense. Yeah, definitely. I'm starting to have those, uh, flashbacks to the, the last year or so of Tayshaun Prince's time with us where the ball swings around him and then he, you know, 99% of the time doesn't up fake and then stands there for two seconds and, <laughs> and nobody ever falls for it. No one's ever sprinting out and wildly jumping at Tayshaun Prince shooting a long jumper. And, um, I, you know, not to blame him. It, it just, I, I think that your eye test matches what I was seeing in the numbers, which is just our pace is back down to, among the slower paces in the league. And that was, I think, one thing that DJ Augustine really brought to us is he was willing to get on board with Van Gundy's uh, early offense uh, encouragement. If you watch, anytime we make, anytime we get the ball on a defensive rebound or a steal or something, Van Gundy is always, you know, waving his arms like a third base coach waving a guy to go home, uh, you know, rounding third base just trying to encourage the guys to play faster. And that's one thing Augustine did is he, he ran up the floor faster. Reggie Jackson and Spencer Dinwiddie, who are getting combined, you know, almost a hundred percent of our minutes at point guard these days seem to like to trot at kind of three quarter speed up the floor as they cross half court and be surveying the floor, which looks like a very, you know, floor generally point guardy thing to do. But I think, you know, taking an initial chance at attacking the basket, it seems to be what Van Gundy's trying to encourage them to do, and it seemed to work a little better. I'm not going to say 100% of our success before 100% of our suckitude now is because of pace, but it's just one thing that I've noticed. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know, Reggie Jackson's success, uh, kind of trotting up the court and then being able to get past people also seems to depend on... Who, who he's playing against. I mean, when we played against Memphis, um, their starting point guard uh, was out, and um, he's really usually – what's the guy's name? Um, Conley. Conley, and he's usually, and he's a really good defender. So, yep. he, you know, so he was able to really uh, play well against the backup, and then against Chicago, he didn't – he had – he was playing against um, an undersized guard. Uh, and, you know, so I, it almost seems like – I'm not sure if it's just being streaky or Jackson is athletic enough that against the right guard – 
he can really get past them and create problems. And then if he's playing against someone who's more talented, he just is really ineffective and he doesn't have an outside shot. So he doesn't really have a backup plan. Um, but and, and speaking of Jackson, let, let's take stock of him for a second. What, what we've had a, a little bit more of a chance to, to see him. What, what I've noticed is that when you watch him, he seems, he seems fine. Uh, he, but he gets around a pick and roll and doesn't seem to be able to make either him attacking the basket or passing for an alley-oop or disrupting the defense to get the ball out to uh, an open shooter. He doesn't seem to be, be able to make any of those things happen. So we just, he goes around a pick and roll and, you know, the defense is just able to rotate and then we have to try again. And that, that seems to be part of our struggles. And his offensive rating is really low. In March, it's 101, which is, um, you know, really kind of a, you shouldn't be starting for an NBA team level, frankly. And that matches what we saw before, which is he just doesn't seem to be a very efficient player. But another thing that matches uh, is that his regular his regular stats, not that advanced stat, seem pretty good. Fifteen points, eight and a half assists. You know, uh, to to the average fan, that must look like he's not the problem. Um, and then to flip it back around to thinking about like, is he uh, good for a dynamic offense? You know, he's hitting less than a third of his three pointers in March. And he's most crucially, perhaps he's averaging 1.3 free throw attempts per game. So this gets uh, to something we said before, and I think Charles mentioned last time. If you're not going to hit threes and you're not going to get to the free throw line, you're really going to have a lot of trouble running an efficient offense. That's that's the the opposite of what Chauncey Billups did for us. He did both of those really well and just quietly led us to pretty efficient offenses. So it's really strange that he's getting all these double-doubles. He had a 20-point, 20-assist game uh, during this stretch on the one hand. And then on the other hand, we're, we're losing a lot of games, and his advanced stats aren't that good. I, I, don't, I don't know what to make of this. Well, what have you seen in this stretch or since we got him? Well, I haven't been able to drill down to know whether or not it's sort of like a mixture of bad performances and good performances, or even the good performances are kind of masked in inefficiency. But the eye test would say, it shows would say that like when he's playing well, he actually is really effective. Uh, in our, in our comeback against Chicago, I think he had like, you know, 15 points in the third quarter and, uh, like eight assists. And, and, and he was really, he looked good. I mean, he was getting, he was attacking the rim and finishing over and over again. And then also dishing it out to KCP who was making threes and so it was a combination of like, hey, our shooting guards are making threes again when they're open, and he was able to get to the rim. When he when he looks ineffective, he's not able to get past. He's not able to get past his guard, the, the guard, and and then from there, that, that's the only thing he can do. He he has to be able to get past uh, his uh, and, and and penetrate because he doesn't have anything else he can do. I'm trying to think of a parallel, uh, and I feel like I might be wrong here, but. Is Rondo maybe a decent comparison? Like Rondo's not a great shooter; he didn't get a lot of free throws. But when he played well, he 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 had a lot of assists, and um, you know was sort of a strong athletic guard. Um, I'm not sure if that would be like his upside or something like that. Yeah, that, that's interesting because they have the not hitting threes that well um, thing going for them. I feel like Rondo can get to the rim, but he's he's been such a bad free throw shooter lately that he's been afraid to initiate contact and get to the he i think uh somewhat famously this year he's shooting uh free throws and three pointers at the at a similar percentage of like in the low 30s it's just like 
Well, yeah, well, Rondo really was having weird. a really bad season, but like even he, when he, even when he was good, uh, that really didn't work out for Dallas this year. Yeah, I, you know, that's interesting. I, I think one one I think Reggie's a little better at finishing at the rim, um, but on the other side, uh, Rondo is kind of a special passer, whereas Reggie uh, seems to be a pretty pedestrian passer. So yeah, I'm not I'm not really sure. I, um, you know, that, so that has some parallels but some things that are different, and I'm not sure what a better one is. Um, one thing I've also noticed is that Van Gundy really seems to be pretty positive about about Reggie Jackson. He, you know, when he called called him to sign him, he said, "You're my point guard." Um, he has said in the media, "Oh, the advanced some of the advanced metrics really back up Reggie being good." In, in particular, I think it was on pick and rolls or something like that. And but on the other hand, there's this, you know. Perhaps, you know, I'm using what you might call somewhat advanced stats, you know, these efficiency numbers, but the coaches and the media that pay for these licenses have really specific breakdowns like, you know, how how do they do on pick and rolls where they go to the right, you know, when their shoes are tied tight or something. And we don't have access to that, and I wouldn't know what to do with it if I saw it. And, you know, Van Gundy's no dummy, and he, really, he seems to like Reggie Jackson, but, you know, all the – what we're seeing is is a pretty strong lack of success and uh and no reason to think like we have a diamond in the rough here so i'm really confused i think i just got we just got to have faith for now and it might all come down to yeah maybe he's good for us at what price if we can get him you know to to average starter money and he can hold down that position and play good defense yeah, and then we use our money for something else. I, I, you know, that's about what I'm coming up with now. If I'm trying to spin it positively. Well, I, I just looked up some of the the, the numbers for the the Grizzly against the Grizzlies when we beat them, and then uh, the Bulls. And he had an offensive rating of 145 and 136 in those two games. Yeah, those those are awesome. Yeah, so those numbers. that kind of and, and I've seen games where he's had games where he's like two for eleven with like two assists, and he just so at the best case scenario, we still have what. Twelve games left in the in the season, yeah, something like that. And you know, it's, it's been hard as a Pistons fan. We've lost the hope of making the playoffs, which is really disappointing because that was like we were clinging on to that at the end at the last episode. Um, we were yeah. in it. We were we were in the thick of it. I mean, we we really had a, had a as good a chance as any. Now there's a three team race for that eighth seed. There used to be a, a four or five team race that we were legitimately part of. And we just we just crapped the bed these last ten fifteen games, and we're yeah, totally but, out of it now. So, so the only thing I can that I can kind of glean from this is one, we're like semi tanking, and we're actually kind of going to get ourselves a better draft position. And two, well, we're getting a chance to like maybe gel this lineup and, and see whether Reggie Jackson can become um, sort of a better like we can find a good uh, mix of of performance. And you know, in the past like three games, um, we've looked. I guess not the Sixers. We didn't look very good, but there was a couple of games where we looked really good, um, and just, it's hard to know again as a Pistons fan whether we're just like really digging in. Like you know, even all mediocre players have good game, can have good games, and we don't want to dig too deep. I mean, we, we keep on touting that magical you know 15 game stretch in the middle of the season when we looked really good, but overall we're just not that good. So I don't know. I, I I'm still I'm still going to keep watching just to see a whether or not. We can Jackson seems worth keeping. I know I can't. I I don't know whether Van Gundy is just being sort of you know saying the right thing uh, optimistically, assuming Jackson does stay because he wouldn't want to like let, let's say he said you know what this is an audition and if Jackson doesn't play well we're not going to sign him. 
uh, if, if that's what he's thinking, you probably wouldn't say it because if it works out well, Jackson's going to want to feel like he was our guy all along. But, you know, if he just really isn't good, I don't see why maybe we just make some sort of offer, but we wouldn't, you know, there was talks of him, his agent trying to get $15 million a year. I can't imagine us doing that at this point. Yeah, I don't. I don't think there would be a season two of the of the podcast if we, you know, maxed out Moose and Reggie Jackson, and that's all our cap room, and then we're just, you know, no. But maybe that's a little drastic. But you know, we're. I think you make a good point that what Van Gundy's saying, you have to think about. Um, that's what he would say under a lot of different scenarios. It, it doesn't necessarily, literally, you know, reflect every thought in his head. So. You know, I guess we're just sort of reading the tea leaves here, and it, you know, it's hard, it's hard to say. We we do, as Charles brought up last time, we we do need to think about having a starting caliber point guard for most of next season because Jennings isn't going to be ready or at full strength. I mean, he might come back for training camp if uh, if um, rehab goes really well for his Achilles, and but you know, guys just don't get back to their the level they were before, and he's last year's his last season under contract with us. So Jennings, there's no reason to count on him as being the future, both for con- contractual and physical health reasons. So we got to have another plan in place. You know, why? I guess why not try out Jackson? It's just, you know, um, boy, we 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 better make something happen at a, at a, at another position if we're going to lock in uh, a sort of middling quality player. Um, well, you know, I mean, I. Yeah, I almost feel like he's another Jennings in some ways, where he show he he shows signs of being uh, impressive. I mean, he, like he's he's athletic. He can he can really penetrate. He's taller. He's young. I mean, in some ways, he has more upside. Freakishly long arms. Yeah. Yeah. In some ways, he seems like he has more upside than Jennings, but he hasn't really performed yet. But um, you know, if we got him for like a Jennings size contract, um, I wouldn't feel so bad about it because then we like right. you know, there's been like I think in against the Bulls, him and Dinwiddie had like 22 assists and two turnovers. Um, you know, it was a great sort of one-two punch and, and it's been great to see Dinwiddie get, some, get serious minutes and um, get some reps. Uh, even though he, he hasn't been playing great, I just this is going to make it a lot higher chance that he could be serviceable next year just getting some, you know, 10 games with like 20 minutes a game. Um, but That's true. But yeah, like it, makes, it would make me nervous to pay too much more than that because then, you know, what else are we going to do? I mean, at this point, I don't know. It, we need we, if we're going to have Reggie, we would need to make a move. I feel like what we really need is a three who can who can stretch the floor and shoot threes, and who can create any offense at all. I think would be would be good too. I mean, Karan Butler can hit a wide open three if you pass it to him. Yeah, um, sometimes um, on a good day, yeah. And that's about what Singler brought to the table. You know, we got a bunch of cap room, so we're gonna we're going to pay somebody a bunch of money to, to play for us who isn't playing for us now. So we'll, we should at least, you know, upgrade a talent, you know, and I feel like we're, so we've been talking about the point guard position a lot these last few minutes here, Reggie Jackson, whatever's left of Brandon Jennings. I hope, you know, hopefully he'll come back well from the injury, Dinwiddie, um, you know, at shooting guard, I feel like we're, we're in decent shape. I mean, we could, we could upgrade if, if some free agent, is available and then we could figure it out later. But if we end up not addressing that position, I think we'd be okay. We've got Jody Meeks who has been playing really badly lately, but you know, over the course of the season has been a serviceable, you know, veteran plays part of the offense plays hard guy. But then 
the real bright spot, I think, is Contavious Caldwell Pope, while not lighting the world on fire, has sh- really shown flashes of you know having a few games where he hit four or five threes. He looks confident when he's shooting. He was a big-time scorer in college at Georgia, and you can see him starting to get some of that confidence. And Crady's, he, he's the type of guy who creates his own shot by taking a couple dribbles in one direction and pulling up for a jumper or shooting an open three or running on the break. You know, so not like a pass the ball to him with five with five seconds on the shot clock and he'll make something happen like Kobe. But he, he's really looked like a serviceable, you know, grow into a starting NBA shooting guard type of guy. He's really young and he's playing hard and seems to be de- talented enough to hold down the position. It, yeah, you know. I, I would agree that the, the combination of KCP and Jody Meeks is, feels, all things considered, pretty solid on our team right now. And and they would be a fine part of a, a, a good offense. Not not like the leading part, but a fine part. Yeah, not the problem. Not the but problem. Not, the, not our leaders either. Um, you know, we've we've talked a lot about our power forward position going forward. You know, should should we or shouldn't we sign Monroe? Monroe's playing the best year of his career, as he should, because he's getting more experience as a young player and he's in a contract year. Um, he's playing much better defense, which is a, kind of a surprise. He seems to be a legitimate post option, but on the other, but on the other hand, throwing it into the post for your offense is kind of out of fashion in the NBA right now. You know, we, we've talked at nauseum, I think, about you know where we should we should offer him a contract. We're not sure if we should offer him a max contract. You know, we'll see. Um, but our main asset, the the main thing our hope really banks on is is, um, is Andre Drummond. Well, and, and, I, and I just wanted to say one thing about Monroe though is that he actually yeah. hasn't played that well since we like it was, at the, it was almost like he peaked right before our last podcast, and he's been playing his his offensive rating in the nineties since then, and it almost seems like when Yikes. we when he was ended up yeah what has it been um, I think it's been uh, let's see here. I can edit this part out, but yeah, it's like a 97 since uh, the last podcast, and, and it's almost like when when our offense started to try to rely on him more, we were pushing it to him more and more in the post. Um, he he couldn't he couldn't quite carry our team, so he's he's not going to be like the go to guy on our team. And to me, that combined with the fact that he just hasn't been quite all star caliber yet, I don't I, I I'm back to like I don't want to max him out. Yeah, but but then again, we're I, the Pistons, and who who are we going to max out? So it just makes me uneasy, you know. It there are a bunch of good power forwards uh, available in free agency. It seems to be a rich theme of power forwards in free agency this offseason, especially ones that might fit better with Drummond and with Van Gundy's philosophy. We discussed last time how we don't want to necessarily take a guy who's you know thirty years old, where you know, doesn't really match with our other assets, namely Drummond being so young. But, you know, I've been thinking about that a little bit. Um, you know, maybe we, Drummond isn't going to be hit his peak in the next three, four years anyway. We may as well just sign a guy to a three- or four-year contract who's going to be good during that contract and let Drummond be good, be good and get better, but let someone else lead the team. You know, and then when maybe when Drummond's twenty seven, twenty eight, he can step up and lead the team. In the meantime, we gotta we gotta play the games, and you know it's not like we're gonna tank. So yeah, that, this is all by way of talking myself into 
maybe we could go after a, you know, a Paul Millsap or something, you know, a guy who's in his late twenties and who, who's a good defender can shoot threes. Yeah. Anyway, we've got a bunch of options at that position. If we decide to let Monroe go or sign and trade him, uh, that's in contrast to the small forward position where we have a super need there. I mean, we're just the worst there and there aren't a ton of guys available at that position. So it's, you know, it's too bad. You know, you, you, you want to have a, when you need a, a certain position, you want to have a lot of options and we, we have a tough decision to make with Monroe there, Yeah, it, but it we got to figure part of our future is we got to figure out what we have in Drummond. It's yeah. It's almost like a, a, a team balancing too, especially if we're going to have, Reggie Jackson at point guard who can't shoot threes. Greg Monroe is a good post up option, but he doesn't even have like a mid range jumper. Um, and Drummond is a at the rim specialist who you'd want to pair up, like you know someone like DeAndre Jordan is put, paired up with Blake Griffin. I mean that's obviously we're not gonna get Blake Griffin, but you know you'd want someone a little bit more dynamic and with with uh, who's developing an outside shot. So it could just be more of like a Euro style like uh, f- f- four who's who can shoot threes and. and 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 uh, if we got that, might make me a little more comfortable. We get that, you get a, a three who can shoot some threes, and, and then our offense starts to feel a little bit more kind of um, inside out, where like the point guard can penetrate, look for the the pick and roll alley oop to Andre Drummond. But if not, you have like you actually have like three options to dish out. Right now, you, you go in there and like the lanes clogged because you got Monroe in there as well, uh, and then you look around, you got Tayshawn Prince sitting out there, uh, <laughs> and then you look over and, and so you're really you're only looking at your shooting guard right now. And, yeah. and 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 uh, that's that's to me why our offense seems stagnant. So we need to. It, it, I think a lot of it depends on what the combinations of players we get are. If we got a really good small forward who can shoot threes, or maybe just a small forward who's not great but who's really good at threes, that might make me feel a lot better about keeping Monroe. Hey, maybe an above average player at small forward. But yeah, let's start with that. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's why I was saying like a, a Paul Millsap, a Draymond Green. Um, you, you know we. LaMarcus Aldridge and Kevin Love probably uh, would not dignify us by answering the phone if we called in the offseason. But, you know, uh, a Serge Ibaka type of guy who's good at defense but can hit a, hit long jumpers, that seems to be what would match what Van Gundy's trying to do now. You know, maybe he's a good enough coach that he can make it work with a, you know, a variety of different talented personnel. Um, uh, but spe- speaking of Drummond being an at-the-rim specialist, we – there was an interesting article this week uh, that I saw that um, was raising an interesting question about what does it really mean when somebody gets a lot of rebounds? Does it mean that they're a good rebounder or you, do they that they help your team get rebounds um, or are they just uh, stealing rebounds from their teammates? And it pointed out an interesting fact, which is that um, DeAndre Jordan and Andre Drummond are both really great rebounders by the how many rebounds do they get per game measure, which seems like a common sense measure. But both teams, the Clippers and the Pistons, are worse at defensive rebounding when those guys are on the floor compared to when their backups are on. And that is really surprising. Um, So I I decided to dig into that a little bit. Look, um, just that Drummond's on the court versus off the court, you know, how does the team do at different things? And, you know, not surprisingly... We're way better at offensive rebounding as a team when Drummond's on the floor. Um, we're, you know, a middle of the pack team in offensive rebounding, a little above average when Drummond's off the floor, and we're the best team in the league with him on the floor. What I'm doing is comparing 
off often on the court with Drummond versus like the league averages. Uh, or well, uh, we 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 moved to an offensive rebounding rate that would lead the league if our team did that for the year. So Drummond really does genuinely seem to help with offensive rebounds, and that makes sense because there's no stealing offensive rebounds from your teammates. You're just in there grappling. You know, like Drummond would probably be the best player of uh, 500 at all time of all time. You know what I mean? Like yeah. <laughs> um, now. With defensive rebounds, that that article, the the fact it brought up, bore out. We're we're a worse defensive rebounding team with him on the floor, and, which and is crazy because he's so amazing. We we go from being sixth best in the league to being average. We're sixth best in the league at defensive rebound rate with him off the floor, and we're at about league average with him on the floor. And uh, you know, the article that I read was pointing out that you know maybe sometimes a guy's a good natural rebounder, but he doesn't box out. And so a lot of the defensive rebounds he get are are just like jumping in front of his teammates who are busy boxing out and stealing their rebounds. And then sometimes, since he doesn't box out, his man gets the rebound. You know what I mean? So your team ends up worse off, but when your team does get the rebound, you, he makes damn sure that he's the one who gets it. So in that sense, defensive rebounding as an individual can be a misleading number is what that suggests. And I, I just found that kind of interesting. Um and that might be part of how like Van Gundy seems to not really uh, be thrilled with Drummond a lot of the time and, you know, doesn't really talk him up very much. And early in the season, I remember him saying things like, you know, for him being such a naturally gifted rebounder, we should, our team should have done better. You know, it's just that that's still that's still borne out. That's really interesting. Um, and also the fact that, it, that they said both him and DeAndre Jordan, who we've sort of compared to a couple of times uh, yep. over the season. I wonder if there are other people who have a lot of good, who basically do have individual numbers and who also seem to help their team as a team offensive rebounder. Uh, if we had more time, it'd be fun to dig into that. It, these plus and minus, I mean, just playing devil's advocate though, um, when he's on the floor, he's with our starters, and when he's off the floor, he's not. Um, is it, it seems like it's not, it's not, it's a very imperfect kind of A B test, so to speak. I mean, is that, that maybe, maybe I'm just kind of calling into question plus minus numbers altogether by saying that, but. Is there anything to that about how when he's off the floor, it means what Joel Anthony's on and he's playing and Joel Anthony maybe happens to be um, bigger than the average backup center or something like that. Um, I mean, there's no question that um, his on the court versus off the court numbers are not a rigorous scientific test of his value for exactly the reason you said. It's not like we're randomly assigning his minutes and putting him on and taking him off for stretches by flipping a coin or, or something like that. And um, furthermore, when he's off the floor, some of the time he's off the floor, Monroe's still on the floor playing center, and we have Tolliver on. And so Monroe's still a good rebounder, you know, in his stead. Um, but that being said, uh, Drummond is a legendary rebounder, and it seems weird that we're worse at defensive rebounding when he's off the when he's on the floor than when we're when he's off. Yeah, you know I mean? yeah, and and also, I mean. I wonder if the, if, the, if the stats were were better. I mean, there's there's sort of like a defensive rebound that was a valuable one, and then there's all the, there's sort of all the cleanup ones. Uh, there's like yep. and, and and Drummond does seem to get all the cleanup ones when he's on the floor, and and those don't seem as valuable. I mean, we we have been more excited about his offensive rebounding prowess this season this season than anything else, and that's, I'm glad to see that that bears out. But that is really interesting. I mean, and and the point about Van Gundy not not being as up on him as everybody else is pretty interesting too. Yeah. And then just the, the other two things I noticed are um, 
our offense is better with him on the floor than when he's off the floor. When when he's off the floor, again, when a lot of our backups are on the floor too, our offense plays at a efficiency that would would be near last in the league, twenty sixth. And when Drummond's on the floor, we have about a league average caliber offense. So our offense gets a little better. His offensive rebounding alone could explain that, and then the occasional you know fast break or alley oop dunk. So you know that that matches our intuition about what we would expect. Now here's something bad. Our defense is worse with him on the floor. And that is bad. That's a really bad news for him because again, when he's on the floor, our starters are on the floor too, typically. So when he's off the floor, our defense plays at a slightly above above average pace. And when he's on the floor, we're 24th. You know, near the you know, getting down towards bottom 5 territory. So that is that is really bad for a guy who's supposed to be your, you know, your man mountain, you know, cleaning up the defensive boards, blocking shots type of guy. Mm-hmm. That that's, um, I think that's where we really get to the the thing I, I always say over and over again. Like he's he's really young and he doesn't know how to play defense yet. When Dwight Howard was only a couple years young, older than he is now, he single handedly led the Orlando Magic under Van Gundy to be the best defense in the league. And again, they were playing a bunch of other, you know, misfit slouches on defense. JJ Redick, Hito Turkoglu, um, Jameer Nelson. Redick has since turned himself into a, um, a, a really solid defender, but you know, he's not exactly Kawhi Leonard out there. So uh, that's something we, we really got to watch. And I suppose that as management, uh, looking forward, they have to evaluate: is he just? Young, you know, is he like all 22 year olds are really bad at defense for big men or is he just never going to be good? And, you know, we have to reevaluate whether we want to build around him at all, because our, our whole plan for the past couple of years has been, well, sure, we suck now, but we got this diamond in the rough here and Drummond looks like an animal. And man, you know, if he's the next Moses Malone or something you know, like that, that could be great. So far, what we're seeing this year is some flashes of brilliance, especially on the offensive boards, and our and our offense really is better. But defensive rebounding and defensive performance in general, you know, it's, it's, it's a little bit disappointing at this point. Yeah, that's that's yeah. interesting to, to to feel like it sort of goes without saying as a Pistons fan that he's our one untouchable for trades. But that maybe that maybe that would indicate that we wouldn't be we wouldn't be so shocked if we sold high on him or something like that. But I, I don't know. That, that To me, that doesn't quite pass the eye test. I mean, it passes the eye test in that he doesn't seem to be a consistent, dominant defender, and he'll make some mistakes sometimes. But there are definitely times when he he really effectively protects the rim and gets a really good shot block or um, you know, just seems to be a good presence down there. But uh, it certainly doesn't feel like when Ben Wallace was out there or anything like that. But um, I don't know. It It doesn't. My 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 gut feeling about him seems to be that well he's young and he'll have some breakdowns here and there but uh, he does seem to be you know pretty uh, pretty effective at protecting the rim when he's when he's doing the right thing so uh, but he hasn't been doing the right thing enough to have it bear out in the stats maybe yeah it's just, protecting the rim is a a little bit of a squishy concept he he definitely blocks some shots sometimes and definitely alters some shots sometimes. But there's this new stat that the advanced sports writers throw around, which is you know opponents' field goal percentage at the rim. And I'm not sure how Drummond performs on that, but the guys who are awesome at that are 
are the guys we always mentioned, Roy Hibbert for Indiana, Mark Gasol for Memphis, and Andrew Bogut for Golden State. And those are the guys where somehow they just seem to be standing right in the wrong place, like with their armpit right on your nose when you're trying to, you know, you have the ball near the rim and you can't get a decent shot up. And they're just standing there unbelievably tall in an unconveniently, unbelievably inconvenient spot for you. And Drummond seems to be more like standing next to you, like, ready to jump, but like wishing he could do something about the fact that you're shooting a layup right now. Um, that That's the only thing I see, but I don't know if that might just be me confirming like confirmation bias of what the numbers show. Anyway, our defense kind of sucks and we have him on our team. So, you know, he can't be, uh, he can't be that great on defense. That, yeah. I, I guess we can't lay all the blame on him, but you, anyway, that's, that's what we can see so far. Um, hard to say much beyond that. The other thing I was thinking it'd be nice to to talk about is uh, the official, uh, sadly, annual tradition of. Uh, so now that we're out of the playoffs, what does our draft position look like? Um, <laughs> and, yeah. And uh, just thought we'd check in on that. We don't have to belabor it, but right now we're. If the season ended today, we would be have the seventh uh, worst record, and that would give us about a fifteen percent chance ish. Of getting a winning uh, a top three pick in the draft lottery, uh, so that's you know that's not that great. We would most likely end up between sixth, seventh, and eighth uh, in the draft, and you know you can get a pretty good guy uh, at that pace. Yeah, and I have I have no. Do you have any visibility at all into what the draft class is looking like, or who who would be excited about? I have no idea, honestly. Nope, nope. I I, I don't. I'm, I'm an NBA fan, not a college fan. Um. Probably after after we watch the final four, I will have lo- see, seen a few more of the prospects, and um, it'll be more time to think about that. I do, I think it's it's thought to be not a particularly weak draft class. There are actually a, I think I heard there are a bunch of power forwards in this draft, uh, which is you know, kind of not what we need. But um, and if if we got five games better in the standings than we are now, just like we go on a hot streak, we that 15% chance of being in the top three would go down to 2% if we were, like, you know, 13th worst record. So, so what, what, what right now we're how many, what worst? We're seventh. seventh. Worst. Well, yeah, the only, like, the only team that's kind of, there are a couple of teams that are just, like, solidly worse than us, like uh, Philadelphia, New York, Minnesota, and, and L.A. But I guess if we went on a inopportune hot streak, Brooklyn might fall beneath us and Denver, but I don't see a lot of teams getting that. It would take a lot for, for, for us to get above say Utah or right or, or Indiana. So, I mean, I almost feel like we're probably going to end up close to where we are, maybe one position better. Yeah, I think that's right. I, I was saying if we, if we got worse by five games somehow and right, that would mean we Brooklyn, Denver, Indiana, Boston, so there would probably have to be some injuries, or we go, yeah, we go on some crazy hot streak. It seems to be an annual tradition that we go on a hot streak at the end of the year and bring ourselves from fifth to like eighth in the draft. <laughs> um, and you know, we might we might do that again this year. If we got worse by five games, we went on some, you know, some team that's worse than us now goes on a hot streak, and or we go on some crazy bad streak. Probably not likely since we just beat Memphis, the Bulls, and. Uh, and tonight we'd be Boston, but you know Sacramento, Orlando, you know are are ahead of us. Uh, we we could move up to the fifth spot. That would 
bring us from a 15 to a 30% chance of being in a top three. So you can really see how the incentive to tank really kicks in right around now, where if somehow we just went on a very convenient, horrible streak, right? Or Sacramento, you know, and Orlando start to do better because they replace their coaches and, you know, we, we could, we could double our chances of being in the top three compared to where they are now. You know, I, I don't think um, any coaches or players tank while they're on the floor. I think organizations tank by cautiously sitting a guy out when he's a little bit injured, and they and they tank by by the you know the cliche. Let's play the young guys and see what we've got. So we might see a lot of Spencer Dinwiddie. You know, um, yeah. I mean, yeah. that that has we'll been. See. We we have seen a lot more Dinwiddie than than before, and that 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 might be part of it. Uh, it, it could just be that he starts playing well, or, or you know, we haven't had Monroe, so you'd think that we would be losing, but some, we're winning now, and then it's sort of like this, we had the pointless uh, winning streak to end the year. Um, I don't know. I mean, because yeah, before I think we were playing, we were playing John Lucas over spent over Dinwiddie, because um, that seemed like our our winning our, our sort of like more better chance at winning point guard, and and uh, and he's been totally benched, and Dinwiddie's been playing twenty minutes a night. Uh, but Dinwiddie's actually been playing decent, so um, yeah, we'll have to see. So it, w- it would be nice if if we didn't if we at least kept like a top ten. If we got a top ten pick out of this year. I mean, uh, I, in this past draft, there definitely are people we could have ended up with um, that would have been nice. I mean, we lost our we lost our eighth pick this year, and um, I'm trying to think of. Um, Miratic, maybe, or someone, someone like that. I mean, there's there were some good people. Yeah, there there, there were some guy. There were definitely some guys we could have used. I mean, we weren't going to get the number one overall pick, but um, you know, there 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 was something in the like Noah Vonley out of Indiana, who's riding the bench a lot in Charlotte, but Alfred Payton for uh, who plays for Orlando now, um, Zach Levine, who won the dunk contest. You know, there are a few guys available there. There were some busts, too. Who The guy who went at number eight, uh, Nick Stauskas of Michigan, uh, you know, maybe he'll have a good NBA career, but so far he's looked pretty bad. Um, so, you know, it's not like it's not like LeBron James was available at the number eight pick last year. Um, but uh, our, our schedule, our remaining schedule, you know, ha- we've gone through a, our – our hardest stretch, I would say we just played a ton of road games uh, that included some really good West Western conference teams. Uh, You know, now we're going to play, I think one or two more home games than road games. And we're going to, I don't see a lot of the really elite Western conference teams left. So we're probably, we'll probably end up being, you know, closer to 500 than, our recent, you know, 10 game losing streak. Um, and so that, that might count as the mini run that ruins our chance to be in the, in the top five. Oh, um, just for the record, I meant Yusuf Nurkic and Miritic is a, another. Uh, oh yeah. Yusuf Nurkic. Right. Although he, yeah, he looks like a great prospect, but he plays the same position as Drummond. Yeah, he so. would be another kind of, you know, long-term Drummond like prospect. So, um, yeah, well, I guess we'll have we'll be able to look out. I mean, right now, if we're if we were to kind of like assess us versus last year, we have been slightly better. We went from like you know, one of the second worst team in the third worst team in the league last year to like 
fourth worst or fifth worst this year, or or maybe like a our, our ninth worst this year. Um, so we had a mo- we've had a modest improvement. Um, w- the fact that we we were actually in the playoff race as of three weeks ago sh- kind of shows that. But if we're gonna if we're gonna go out badly, I, I hope that we can just find a way to to just like play experiment or, and things like that to just not go on a hot streak and and, lo- and kind of win ourselves out of the like a top ten draft pick. Or, or a chance at a top five. So, uh, I guess we'll. we'll I'm, I'm, I'm guessing that we'll probably follow up with maybe an end of season recap at this point. I, I don't think we're going to be hot, hot on the trail of our uh, of uh, you know, cataloging our last ten games here. But I, I'm 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 interested at least to see. So to me, the big questions that remain are: Is Reggie Jackson? Can can we become convinced that he actually is a good person to sign? Yep, and. Uh... A little bit more data if Monroe comes back to make up our minds about whether we want to build around him and Drummond together or if we want to go another direction. And, uh, yeah, I, I guess we have to chalk up this season a little bit to we could have been somebody if Jennings hadn't gotten hurt. That's probably going to be one of the big narratives um, about yeah, – at least we made some big moves. You know, the, the, the Josh Smith move is going to – really kind of rocked the league and um, we're we'll, we'll see how we feel about that this offseason we'll see what he signs for and therefore how much of his cap hit can be offset um, so there, there's there's gonna be a lot to talk about going forward but uh, at this moment unfortunately all we have to talk about is man we uh, feel a little bit foolish being so excited about the playoff run right basically we had that podcast right before we yeah it, actually it was the night we beat the wizards and then we promptly went on a 10 game losing streak like <laughs> the the day we recorded the last episode so. Yeah, so so devoted fans we apologize if we couldn't bring ourselves to record another podcast until now but uh it's been bleak yeah all right well i guess uh until next time uh thanks carl thanks alex later <laughs>